Well, good morning, White Oak, and uh, welcome. So glad that you are here with us today as we continue in on our, on our series in Romans. Uh, hey, I just will say, I like this, okay? No offense to our balcony people, but if we can get some more people down here, I'm all for it. So thank you for that, okay? And I don't know what your weekend has been like, uh, but mine has been a little bit crazy. So my wife, Katie, and my oldest daughter, Mackenzie, uh, went to Purdue for the weekend to a concert uh, with some friends. And so they were leaving yesterday morning, and uh, I've got four kids total, if you're keeping score at home. And so... um, My son Jack has a football game yesterday, so I go in and uh, I'm just checking on him. I was like, hey, have you eaten breakfast yet? Uh, He's like, no. And I was like, okay. So I go into the kitchen and I start making scrambled eggs and toast and I'm going to get Jack all ready. And uh, so I call the boys in and, uh, and I feed them. I even like snap a little picture and send it to Katie. Like I'm in full dad mode. Like I've got this. You know what I mean? I've got this. And so... About 30 minutes later, boys are done eating, uh, dishes are in the sink, my daughter Olivia walks out of the bedroom, and uh, I'm like, you know what, I forgot that she was even home. And she says, who made eggs? And I'm like, ah, I'm really sorry about that, Olivia, Um, but we have to leave for the football game, so you can make yourself some cereal, okay? And so... Man, that, that was my day, all right? And, uh, and so, like, full of, feeling so full of myself, feeling like that, you know what I mean, I can do this, and I forgot that one of my children was home with me for the weekend. Today, we're going to dive into a topic that says, I'm not deserving. We're going to dive into a topic that says, all of us are broken, all of us make mistakes. And, and for me, it was just another and a long list of reminders of uh, the failures that I have. Uh, and so, you know, today will be difficult, uh, but stay tuned to the whole message because there is hope at the end of it. You know, as we dive into the book of Romans, we started last week and we're in here uh, in week two. We're going to be looking at chapter three mainly today. But, uh, but one of the things I, w- I just want to encourage you with, as we walk through a book of the Bible, is what is your intention? What is your hope? Uh, my prayer is that you're diving in and that you're reading along with us through the book of Romans. Um, that would be an excellent thing for you to do. Uh, we are, we're going chapter by chapter. Uh, we'll miss a few here and there, but for the most part, um, we'll be going week by week, chapter by chapter, and so you can uh, read along with us. But as you read, what's your goal? Uh, what are you trying to do? And, and I was reminded this week that when we open up the Word of God and when we dive into a book like this, that its intention, Paul's real motive, is life change. It is that we should not be the same person coming into the Roman series as we are coming out of the Roman series. That we might be able to dive into the Word of God, have something revealed to us, and that it would change us. That's a powerful thought, isn't it? That that is why scripture was written, that it might reveal to us something that might help us change who we are. And that's my prayer as we dive into the book of Romans, that we might be able to find something within it that changes us. And I hope that that's your prayer as well. 
Let me give you a a brief overview of kind of where we started last week. The book of Romans is a letter, and it was written by Paul around AD 57, and it's considered by some to be one of the most important letters that's found in the New Testament. Uh, The audience that first received this letter were house churches in the city of Rome that were made up both of Jewish Christians and Roman Gentiles. There was a strain that came down to this idea of power and privilege. The Romans felt they had power because of their empire and who they were and the cities that they had built and the, conquer- and the cities they had conquered. The Jews felt a privilege because the law was theirs and because of their special relationship with God. And so they were at odds with one another. And it's into this conflicting worldview that Paul speaks the central message of his letter. That is the good news about Jesus. It all comes down to Jesus. Out of him flows identity and purpose and how we live life. And the unity of the church is found in there. And so in Romans chapter 1 verses 15 through 17 where we were last week, Paul kind of gives a mission statement for the entire book. And in that he, he uh, gives us his kind of central thesis, if you will. And there we find three things that Paul's trying to accomplish in his book of Romans. The first thing that he wants to do is he wants to clarify the gospel. The second thing he wants to do is he wants to unify this broken church. And the third thing he wants to do, he wants to prove God's righteousness. And so you see that Paul, in, this, uh, in, in the midst of all this division, he wants to make the gospel message clear to people. He wants to have them understand exactly what God's trying to accomplish through Jesus. He also wants to bring this church together. He wants to unify uh, the disagreements that they have. And he wants to prove God's righteousness. See, there's some people who would have been living in this time who, who maybe doubted that God was really who he said he was or that God was, was capable of doing what he wanted. Some people thought that Jesus and this idea of grace were letting people off too easy. They, they loved the law What they couldn't understand is that they were lawbreakers themselves. And so Paul writes to prove that God is who he says he is. Now from the end of chapter 1, where we left off last week, all the way through about midway through chapter 3, Paul is laying out the mistakes that both the Jews and the Gentiles have made in their lives. Basically, he lays waste to them. Uh, He just comes in and he kind of lays down the hammer. And uh, there's a lot of finger pointing that's going on uh, in this, where, you know, the, the Jews will point at the Gentiles and tell them that they're not keeping the law and they're not keeping their traditions and they're not doing all these things. And the Gentiles are pointing back at the Jews and they're like, no, but you don't understand about grace. And, you don't understand. and, and so there's all this stuff that's going on. And so Paul confirms all of it. You know what I mean? Basically lays them down and says, hey, look, uh, sits them down and says, look, we're all messed up. It's kind of like we're talking to our kids. I don't know if you've ever had to have a family meeting uh, because there was something going on in your house. And uh, you gather everyone up together and you begin to uh, address a problem with a certain individual. And while you're talking to that one person, you know, there's six of us in our house. And so maybe I'm talking to one person. Everybody's back behind me. And as I'm giving instructions, 
or correction to one kid, everybody else behind me is like, yeah, let them have it, you know what I mean? You tell them, Dad. And I'm like, hold on a second. We're not to you yet, you know what I mean? You're not innocent in all this. I can only speak to one person at a time. And that's kind of what Paul's doing. In the end of chapter 1 through most of chapter 2, Paul's talking to the Gentiles. And while he's talking to them, the Jews have their ears up and they're like, that's right, you talk to them about their paganism and you talk to them about their idolatry and you talk to them about their sin. He's like, yeah, Paul, let them have it. The Jews love that part. And Paul's like, hey, hold on. Hold on, because I'm not even to you yet. He's like, yeah, you've been given the law. Yeah, you have a special relationship with God. And what did you do with it? He says, you can't keep the law. You've broken it. He says, and you continue to disobey God. You're no better, he says. And so in this, Paul levels the playing field. And he reminds everyone that there is no power And that there is no privilege. And that we are all equal when it comes to the fact that we are all broken. And that's really the essence of chapter 3. And so as we dig in, I want you to encourage you to to be in your Bible and to read along with us as we kind of jump in here today. We're going to be looking at several passages from Romans chapter 3. And so right now we want to look at Romans chapter 3 starting with verse 9. And so this is kind of Paul's conclusion to all of that, what we just talked about, you know, the, uh, the Paul laying out the argument that we're all broken. So he starts with this. He says, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin. He says, look, no, there's no advantage. You are all equal because you're all under the power of sin. He continues on. He says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. The idea here is that we have no advantage. We have nothing to, to lean on. And so the big idea for today is this idea that I'm not deserving. I don't deserve it. I haven't done anything. And this is a really heavy thing. And if I was just to preach the sermon and leave us here and this idea that, you know what, we're all broken and that, that uh, there is no one righteous, not even one, like that's a hard message to hear. But hold on, because there is hope that is coming. Truth is, is that we all seek advantages. Right? The Jews and the Gentiles, they both felt like that they have an advantage. And Paul's trying to point out this idea that they don't. But as humans, we all look for advantages. There's a thing that exists that's called, I cut, you choose. And the way that this works is that if there's like one piece of cake left and you want to share it with someone, that one person cuts and the other person chooses. The reason that this exists is because if I cut and I choose, then I have an advantage, right? And that this has happened enough throughout the world that somebody came up with a rule and said, the person who cuts cannot also be the person who chooses. Why? Because... 
for however long that this has been going on, if I get the opportunity to both cut and choose, I take advantage of it. And I pick the bigger piece. So, there's a thing out there that says, if I cut, you get to choose. Because for some reason, it's impossible for anyone to cut something in half. And it just is a small window into the brokenness that is our human nature, right? That there has to be a rule that says you can't just cut something in half and and, and assume that two people are going to be given equal portions. No, that's never going to happen. I mean, that's true. Like uh, when I grill at home, those two steaks that I put on the grill are never the exact same size. And I can tell myself that my wife wouldn't eat that bigger one, and so I choose the bigger one. But we all look for an advantage, right? We all think of ourselves. The advantage question is this. Because of who we are, or where we come from, or what we've done, we're good here, right? We've got an in. We've got a leg up. We're good because we've got some special thing going on. I've been reminded of the uh, college scandal. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this. It's kind of bubbled back up because of some of the court hearings and things like that recently. But this was just a bunch of rich people, some of them actors and actresses, who took advantage of their wealth to try to get their kids in schools that maybe they wouldn't normally get into. Let me read you an excerpt from an article that was recently published. It says, More than 30 parents have been charged for allegedly uh, conspiring with scam mastermind Rick Singer to cheat on standardized tests or bribe college coaches to get their children an advantage in the admissions process. Over a dozen of those parents, including Huffman, have already pled guilty to a single count of conspiracy to commit fraud. The hard thing is, is that we stand up and we look at that and we say, that is terrible. I would never do that. Truth is, most of us don't have those resources. And if we had those resources and we had that ability, some of us maybe would take that advantage. Because we all seek it. And we all want it. But Paul says there are no advantages. The advantage question also asks this. I can acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Like I don't have a problem acknowledge that I'm broken. But as long as I'm doing it better than someone else, I'm good, right? That's the real advantage. So some of us don't have a problem saying that we've got problems or that we make mistakes. But we just feel like that we're fine because we look and we can always find somebody who's doing it worse. As if that's the standard that we're trying to obtain to. That that's the calling that God has for our life. To just get by. I want to read a section of scripture for you. And, uh, and it's not going to be up on the screen right away. And so I just encourage you to, uh, to turn in your Bibles or your device. And uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 26. So I want you to read along with me. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. To 
to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justified those who have faith in Jesus. That's a pretty long passage. And so what I want to do is I just want to walk us through this a little bit slower. One of the first ideas in this passage of scripture is that God's righteousness is being made known apart from the law. Take a look at this section of scripture. It says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This right here is speaking specifically about Jesus. Okay? The Jews clung to the law. The the law was their safety. But Paul says, you continue to break the law. The thing that you hold on to is the thing that's actually separating you from God. And he says, look, God's righteousness is being demonstrated apart from the law. Remember earlier when I said that one of Paul's goals was to prove the righteousness of God? You see, there were people who believed that maybe God wasn't as righteous as he says he was because this whole thing about Jesus and grace sounds like somebody's getting away with something. Sounds like somebody's not getting what they deserve. And the Jews wanted to see the Gentiles punished because they are lawbreakers. And Paul says... You're lawbreakers too. And guess what? God is righteous and his righteousness is being proved not through the law, but through Jesus. Remember when I told you to hold on because there was good news coming? That's what the word gospel means, good news. There is good news coming. In the midst of our brokenness and in the midst of our sin, God provides good news. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus. Patch of scripture says this, says this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. I want you to see two things here, the word faith and the word believe. Righteousness is given through faith to all who believe. It doesn't have anything to do with keeping the law and it doesn't have to do anything with how good we are or, or what we do. It is given because of Jesus Christ. And that makes us all in need and it makes us all equal. He says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Look at this. He says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Look, it says it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your power, and it doesn't matter your privilege. It doesn't matter where you're born, and it doesn't matter where you come from. We look at this in context of Jew and Gentile, but it's just as relevant for here for us today. We separate and we alienate, but Paul says we all stand equal at the foot of the cross. And we are justified by his grace. He says, 
we are all justified. We're all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It's free. It's a free gift that comes only through grace. And it's only given by Jesus Christ. We try to work for it. We try to earn it. We try to get an advantage so that we can have it. And God tells us that it is free. And you're only going to get it through my son. And so while we can feel broken because we've all sinned, we can feel hope because God has provided a way uh, for us to be made right. And it's through his son. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our forgiveness. Take a look here. So God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Do not be unaware that this freedom that we have, this grace that we give, get, it came at a price. It came at a cost. God presented Christ as a sacrifice, right? That came through the shedding of his blood. As we talk about the good news that Paul lays out, as we talk about the gospel message, this is it. This is what we see. There's no advantage. We all fall short. The advantage questions asks, then, then what do I have then? I have nothing special. I have no advantage. And that's what Paul says exactly. Sometimes we feel advantages. Knowing the right person, coming from the right place, being a part of something the longest. Sometimes we feel alienated because of advantages. Somebody gets the job that you applied for, not because they're better than you, but because of somebody that they know, right? And so we feel this tension. You ever felt like you just didn't belong or didn't fit in because you didn't have the advantage that other people around you have? I went to the Rain football game on Friday night, and that was really fun to be there and, and be with a lot of White Oak people. But when you come in and you talk about high school sports, and I've talked to a lot of kids that, that used to play sports, and when you get into high school and you say, hey, are you still playing football? And they'll be like, no, not playing anymore. It's rarely that they give you the reason because they don't feel like they're good enough. It's rarely that they would give you the reason that they don't like it anymore. Normally they say it's the politics. You ever heard that? Like, hey, why aren't you doing that anymore? Oh, you got to have the right last name. You have to, you know what I mean? You got to be one of the coach's favorites. And maybe some of those things are excuses, but everybody feels like somebody has an advantage over them. And Paul comes in to say, you know what? There are no advantages. Paul tears down the advantage talk, just like he tore down the power and the privilege talk. Romans 3, 23 and 24 in the NLT says this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. That's the gospel message. That is the good news. There's a new advantage. 
And it's based on our relationship with Jesus. We have no advantage on our own, but God gives us an advantage. And it's through our relationship with Jesus. The truth is, is that we are all not deserving. We all fall short. We all have no advantage other than the advantage of knowing Jesus. So today, let me challenge you to just be thinking about this. In a world of brokenness, broken marriages, broken relationships, broken hearts, and broken promises, how are we made right? In a place where we have no advantage and in a place where we all stand broken, how are we made right? In a fallen world where we all fall short, how are we made right? Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. We are made right through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're going to be serving communion today, you can go ahead and make your way back. That's the gospel. That is the good news, as well as I can convey it. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight, and he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. Here's what Paul does. Paul uses chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 to lay out this argument that, you know what? You guys are all broken, messed up people. You're all equal. No one has any advantage. You're both messed up. And then they're just left in that, like, and then he says, but there's hope, and there's grace, and there's good news, and it comes through Jesus. One of the cool things about walking through the book of Romans is that we're going to have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to talk specifically about what Jesus did on the cross and what that means for you and for me. And that's really cool if you're new around here or you're new to this whole Jesus thing. Because week after week, there's going to be opportunity for us to continue to point to this idea that our relationship with Jesus is vital. It's where our hope comes from. It's where our salvation comes from. It's where our future comes from. And so if you're here today and you don't know much about Jesus or you've never decided to make Jesus Lord of your life by believing in him, by putting your faith in him, we would love to have a conversation with you about that. I would love to talk to you. We've got prayer partners that will be down front later on in the service that would love to talk to you. You can mark your connection card and somebody can connect with you later in the week. But these opportunities are going to keep coming up for us to share the good news about who Jesus is. The big idea today is that I'm not deserving. On my own, I'm not. I'm a failure. I forget that I've got a daughter and, uh, you know, we make mistakes. And we can be left in that And we can feel miserable about that. Or we can cling to the hope that God made us right through the power of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the freedom 
and the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. I know that I am broken. I know that I make mistakes, God, and I am just thankful for the grace that you extend me through your Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.